Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Friday. I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Today, we've got an interesting show for you, to say the least. I'll start with some two-lane thoughts at the top, give a, uh, a short open and then we'll get to our Friday picks. I considered, I was trying to have another guest on, uh, kind of another film-related guest to break down some intricacies of, of Tulane's offense, but that didn't really work out timing-wise, so whatever, is what it is. So then after that, we'll go straight to our picks with LB's Greg, and um, let's just say we probably made podcast history. Uh, sometimes when I call Greg to record, I don't exactly know what I'm going to get. Greg's a guy that love him to death. He's going to keep you guessing sometimes. I think that's one of the good things about him. But uh, look, long story short, Greg was at the library uh, and had a couple pops in him, I think. when uh, Well, no, I don't think. I'm 100% positive when, when I called him to record last night. So we recorded the first ever, well, we're pretty sure, the first ever podcast at the library and not the one on campus for those of you that needed any sort of clarification on that. So apologies for the background noise towards the end of, uh, I would definitely say this is probably a one-off deal. I, you know, the executive producers got to talking uh, upstairs at Rippy Wrights Incorporated and some ideas were floated around to maybe turn it into an R-verted or turn this segment into an R-rated version of Reb Talk. But uh, I think that idea got killed by corporate so uh, I'm going to say this is going to be a one-off, but uh, I would just say look at it from the perspective of we were going to do anything possible to get the picks to the people. We absolutely crushed it in the NFL last week. Greg and I were like a combined 20 and 6 on the NFL. That is sure to change. I promise we're not tooting our own horn. We know how bad we are at this. But think of it as a, uh, as a our gift to you, the listener. Uh, as we were going to do whatever was needed to get a Friday show done and get our picks done. So, yeah, um, look, if the background noise bothers you, one, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. Two, it's not going to be a regular thing. Uh, three, to those of you that have been listening since the days I did this on my phone on Skype, uh, that was some super talk days, a little bit of the old Miss spirit in there as well. Uh, it's probably nothing that you aren't used to, but – Again, if you were hoping for a soothing, peaceful podcast, this is not the one for you. So uh, be prepared for that. Buckle up. Greg had uh, quite a few Jaeger bombs, I believe, while we were taping this. I probably think I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek exaggerating. I I'm not. Uh, just just watch. I think you even hear him uh, order one at one point. So buckle up for a wild Friday picks ride. But before we get to that, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. You know what Skybox did last week? We all crushed it in the NFL. They went 7-0 and in their NFL picks. So if you're not using SkyboxSportsPicks.com, uh, I don't know what you're doing. I steered away from the, uh, the normal Skybox intro, which I'm sorry about. It's catching on. So I'll just start this over. Podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? I'm glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval that is an advanced modeling mechanism that has propelled Skybox to the top of the industry. Anyway, now that we got that out of the way, go check out Skybox. Use the promo code RIPPY. They're just printing money so far in the NFL. They have yet to lose a game. So I would definitely go check them out. Saw some people on the board saying they've been trying them uh, kind of along for the ride in college and NFL also off to a blazing start. So anyway, check them out. Podcast also brought to you by LBs. I can promise you Greg needs no introduction on a normal day. He absolutely does not need an introduction uh, after this. So anyway, 
before we get to that, I want to offer some two-lane thoughts on uh, as a bit of an open today. I was going to do like a very unoriginal, like five things you need to know, five facts, something like that. But uh, I'm just going to quell- pass on all that. I've just wrote down a couple of notes on a notepad here, and I'm just going to go through them real quick about a couple of things that I'm looking for in this game. And we'll just start off with that before we get to Greg's picks. I think the first and foremost thing I'm looking for from this old Miss team in this game would be the defensive line. I think this is the first time this defensive line is going to get tested in the running game, particularly the interior running game. Tulane is pretty balanced with how they will run, or at least through two games they have under uh, offensive coordinator Chip Long. If you remember Chip Long, he was the offensive coordinator for that playoff team at Notre Dame in 2018. It's a lot of pre-stop motions, a lot of bunch formations. They really kind of try to really get teams in bad matchups and, and really screw them up discipline-wise in, pass, in the passing game. But they're also very dependent on running the football, and they do it decently well between the tackles. I think Michael Pratt is actually – the quarterback is actually their leading rusher on the year. Point being, I think Ole Miss is going to get tested in between the tackles really for the first time this year. I was very underwhelmed by Louisville's offensive line. I thought they would be pretty good. They were not. That poor Malik Cunningham kid didn't have a ton of help. But secondly, on top of that, I didn't really – I finally got to go back and watch that game the other night. I didn't get to because I was moving in that week. I was very unimpressed with Louisville's game plan, probably more so than the, the offensive line. I'm not really sure what they were trying to get at in terms of the strategy and kind of trying to continuously get the edge against the old Miss 326 defense instead of just testing uh, them up the middle a little bit more. And by up the middle, I just mean within the first three gaps or so or really just anything inside the tackles. I, I didn't really understand that strategy from Louisville. Credit to Quentin Bivens. Some, he, he, he had a couple early stops in that game that if Louisville was going to test the waters at running in between the tackles, particularly on the interior off the center and guard, uh, he had a couple stops early, and I guess that may have deterred them, but that didn't seem to be a huge part of their strategy anyway, which I didn't understand. But the point being, not to get off into a Louisville rant, that was just fresh on my mind. I do think this old Miss defensive line is going to get tested more so than they have at any point so far through two games this year. And I'm interested to see if that, if that calls on some more depth. You know, Lane Kiffin, I think Neil wrote about this in what he said versus what he meant, but he was talking about Tywan Malone, Demond Clowney, a couple of those other younger defensive linemen in his postgame press conference, or maybe it was the Monday presser uh, after the win over Austin P, and kind of just kept mentioning, yeah, we need those guys. We need them to come along and you know, I think he's really concerned about the depth on the defensive line, and, and with good reason. Ole Miss does not have a ton of depth there. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I thought Quentin Bivens played a nice game against Louisville. Katie Hill filled in nicely, and like, I think he got like low 30 snaps in, in relief of Bivens in that game. Bivens stayed on the field a lot, is my point. But outside of that, you, they haven't, you, know, you haven't really seen anyone else, and I think there's going to come a time where you're going to need uh, some reinforcements on the defensive line. You know, it, if, if Ole Miss is successful in stopping Tulane against the run and you ask me why, I would honestly probably lean toward the fact that the two Juco kids might have had a better game than they've had so far. You know, Isaiah Eitens flashed in spots. We haven't seen a lot of Jamon Gordon so far. He did not play in the Louisville game, played very sparingly. I say very sparingly, played sporadically in the Austin P game, but Ole Miss was just playing a lot of guys in general. So I'm interested to see the depth. I'm interested to see what the interior defensive line rotation looks like. I'm interested to see how, how Ole Miss kind of utilizes their ends. And what I mean by that is, obviously, you know, if it's a third and long situation, you're going to have Cedric Johnson and Sam Williams pinning their ears back and going, you know, going after the quarterback. 
But if it's a short yardage situation and Tulane's had some moderate success running the football and you know they're – it's one of those downs where you know they're going to run the football, the offense knows they're running the football, just stop it. I'm interested to see how Ole Miss lines up because come clear at this point, they don't really feel comfortable putting Iton and Gordon on the edges like in more of a pass rushing uh, – or excuse me, on the interior, I should say, uh, longer than a play or two. I don't think I've seen very much of that this year. They played mostly outside. So I'm interested to see what like their defensive line looks like in short yarded situation. Do they veer at all away from three, two, six? How do they handle this two lane running game? So that's the first thing I'm interested in. The second one, I'll just go to the other side and I'll go to Ole Miss's offensive line. Uh, a lot was made of Lane Kiffin's comment about pro football focuses grades. Pro football focus, I believe, grade at Ole Miss is like the third best offensive line in week two. Lane seemed to vehemently disagree with that. I think he walked it back a little bit on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever they talked to him again, but it definitely seemed like he was challenging the offensive line to, to play better, more consistently and more cohesively to just throw a whole big ball of cliches at you. But, you know, it's still early in the season. There were certainly some people get, kind of prickle at the idea of chemistry issues but I think that's the appropriate way to describe it against Louisville and I don't mean that in like a they don't get along playing together just some cohesiveness issues that's kind of natural for game one I think you saw that against Louisville I think that, that they played better obviously and against Austin P pro football focus thought so Lane Kiffin not so much um, but they didn't have Orlando Umana I think he'll be healthy they expect him back for this game so, you know, fully healthy offensive line against a pretty good defensive line for Tulane. Tulane replaces, has to replace their all-time leading sack leader in Patrick Johnson. But I think two through four in their sack total uh, leaders last year are all back. And that was a team that sacked the quarterback pretty frequently last year. I think that Patrick Johnson kid had 10 sacks in 10 games last year, which is just kind of a stupid number. But I'm interested to see what this Ole Miss offensive line looks like. I think this is going to be a game where, you know, we talked about it all week. I've seen it on the board a couple of times as well. Ole Miss is a 14-point favorite. Like, what does that mean? It means if they play well, they're probably going to win the game by multiple scores. If they don't play well, they are certainly capable of losing this game because Tulane's are capable of football thing. I think they're a borderline top four team in the American Conference, which is probably the best, not, or definitely is the best non-Power 5 conference, you know, Depending on who you ask, some might consider it halfway a power six. I wouldn't necessarily go that far just from a sheer talent perspective. But point being, Tulane is capable of beating Ole Miss if they don't play well. And I think that really boils down to the offense is going to have to play well. I think Tulane is going to score some points on Ole Miss. I think they're going to have a better offensive strategy and have a better offensive performance than Louisville did against Ole Miss in game one. And so I really think it comes down to the offensive shoulders. If the offense kind of sputters early on in the game and it's kind of weird to say with this Ole Miss offense only scores 30 points or it is like 28 going in the fourth quarter. That's probably not going to be good news for Ole Miss. Uh, you know, as many times as the offense bailed the defense out last year, they're going to need a strong performance in this one because I just think the Ole Miss defense is going to bend slash break a little bit in this game. I just, I don't think they're proven. I don't necessarily trust them yet. So if Tulane gets to 28 points, can Ole Miss score 45? You know, I, it, that's, that would be a good offensive output for this game. And I think that starts with the offensive line. I think Ole Miss will torch Tulane in the secondary. I'll get to a little bit more on that in a minute. But Ole Miss functions at optimal capacity when they're, one, playing with tempo and, two, running the football well. Because when they're playing fast and they're running the football well, when you have two at quarterback and the receivers he's throwing to, there's really just not a ton you can do defensively. You're just kind of lost. 
But if Ole Miss is not running the football well, that one kind of slows up the tempo a little bit and two makes Ole Miss somewhat one dimensional, which I think you saw at times against Louisville, Ole Miss sputtered a little bit in the second half as they didn't really run the football as well. And some of that was play calling. Some of that was Ole Miss's product just being up by a bunch of points. But I, I do think that there was something to the fact that as Ole Miss struggled to run the ball, particularly uh, particularly kind of on the edge and getting outside, I, I thought I thought that affected their overall offensive output. So I think Ole Miss's offensive line is going to be the key to them having you know their best game of the season, quote unquote, through three games. I think Ole Miss needs to kind of have an A offensive performance to really feel good about not being in a barn burner in the fourth quarter with Tulane. Because if Ole Miss is functioning at full capacity offensively, I don't really know what Tulane can do. I don't really care how many points they score. I, I don't think they're going to win a shootout against Ole Miss. I mean, even if Tulane gets to 30 points, if Ole Miss again is at 45, the game's really not much in question. So I'm interested to see how the offensive line plays and how Ole Miss runs the football against a pretty formidable defensive line. Louisville had a decent one. Tulane's probably not as talented, but I think they probably play a little better and a little more creative defensively. So I'm looking forward to that matchup as well. And then part of me just wonders, you know, as much as people are making in this game, Tulane's capable. Can they come up, give Ole Miss a game? Can they pull off the upset, all of that? The only way I see them doing that is if they fare a lot better in the secondary than I think they're going to. That is certainly the weak point of Tulane's defense is the secondary and boy, is that a problem when you're playing against this Ole Miss offense. So, you know, I think you'll be able to tell early on if Ole Miss is kind of throwing the ball at will and, you know, third and seven really just becomes a number to Matt Corral in this Ole Miss offense as opposed to, oh, we got to throw it to convert, if that makes any sense at all. Like, against Louisville, you really never felt, no matter what it was, third and 11, you never really were like, oh, hell, Ole Miss is probably going to punt. It was like, how many yards are they going to get? If it's that kind of vibe early on against Tulane, I think Ole Miss will put them away pretty quickly and pretty easily. If Tulane kind of bows their neck a little bit and plays better in the secondary or gets an early turnover, then I think they could definitely hang around in this game for a while. So I'm interested to see how the Tulane secondary holds up, particularly early in the game, because if they can force a couple stops, you know, that offense is capable of kind of controlling the ball and, and methodically moving it down the field. I think they got up 14 to seven early on Oklahoma before a couple fumbles or three second quarter fumbles really kind of doomed them in that game. But if the secondary for Tulane can hold up just a little bit through the first half, I think Ole Miss is going to have a bit of a fight on its hands. But again, if the secondary kind of proves to what I think will happen, and I think what, you know, we had Tulane beat writer Gary Smith on, he seemed pretty concerned about Tulane's chances in the secondary against Ole Miss. If it kind of plays out that way, I think Ole Miss would just kind of score at will. So I'm interested in that matchup as well. And then I think the last thing, main thing I'm really interested in is if there's any sort of shift in how the receivers are defended. And what I mean by that is Ontario Drummond has had two huge games, right? I think he's at like 280 something yards with four touchdowns through two games should have had five. If he had not been kind of lazy with ball security uh, on that uh, zero blitz that Austin P uh, put on, I think that was a fourth down. And then he just was lazy tucking the ball and credit to the Austin Peay kid. He didn't give up on the play, but I'm interested to see if there's any shift in how these Ole Miss receivers are covered. Braywin Sanders has drawn a ton of attention through two games. And I think that's part of the reason why Dontario Drummond has thrived. Sanders only has like four catches for 59, 60 yards, somewhere in that neighbor, somewhere around there through two games. And I think that's a lot because teams have I think they're one deathly scared of his speed and his ability to beat them over the top, which 
as good of a receiver as Drummond is, he does not have that kind of run you open speed in terms of just like the DK Metcalf run straight down the field. And I'm going to throw it and you go get under it, but he's got sure hands and he's kind of a nightmare over the middle of the field, given his body type and his ability to catch the ball in traffic. And so I think that's really, really complemented each other well through two games, but does that change? Does the focus shift toward Drummond and what does that do to Braylon Sanders? And what does that do to Jonathan Mingo and how, how they're used in this offense and kind of the play calling and really Ole Miss's overall scheme in the passing game. If they divert more of their attention to Dontario Drummond, what does that look like? What does that look like again for Sanders and for Mingo? Um, I, I don't know. We've kind of yet to see that. I'm far from an X's and O's expert. I'm not about to blow smoke up your ass about what I think is going to happen as far as how they'll use Sanders and Mingo. I'm just curious to see what it looks like because I just have a hard time believing that you're going to get five games into this thing. Uh, probably Alabama excluded and teams are just going to be cool with Ontario Drummond hitting them for a buck 20 and a couple scores per game. Eventually something is going to have to shift. And that's really when I think you're going to see, you know, knock on wood, fully healthy, fully capable speedster, deep threat, Braylon Sanders. And, you know, kind of off of that, I think you'll maybe see a little bit more Jonathan Mingo. You saw some signs of it last week, what he had like six or seven catches, right at 100 yards. I think he was a yard short and two touchdowns himself. Again, should have had three, but got one caught back because of replay. I'm really probably a little more interested to see um, Mingo because he's a guy that's kind of, you've seen it in spurts so far throughout his old Miss career, but really hasn't put it together from a consistency standpoint and doing some of the little things. I know some of you have probably heard Weldon talk about that on our Sunday shows. I'm really interested to see if that you know, creates more targets for him and what he's able to do with them. Because I think he's a, a big, strong, physical kid. And if he can emerge as an outside threat that teams have to devote, you know, somewhat extra attention to, or, you know, can't just simply put a second or third corner on it and not really worry about him. I'm really interested. I mean, Ole Miss's offense, I mean, that really kind of takes it to a whole new level. I really think Mingo is kind of an X factor in this offense. So that's probably the last thing I'm looking for. If they do, in fact, divert more attention, uh, on Dontario Drummond, if that kind of one unlocks fully healthy speeds for Braylon Sanders, which we really haven't seen in his career. He's battled injuries the last couple of years. Um, you know, his freshman and sophomore year, he had DK Metcalf, AJ Brown and Demarcus Lodge behind him and really credit to him by sophomore year, really cracking that rotation. I think that probably speaks to his talent more so than anything else, but we really haven't seen it all put together because he's been sidelined with injuries. So I, I wonder if you kind of get the Braylon Sanders game. I wonder if you get the I don't know, eight grabs for a buck 50, because I, I do think he'll average about 15 to 20 yards per catch if he does have a big game with a lot of targets. So interested in that one as well. So those are a couple of two lane thoughts for you um, before we get into the pitch. I just kind of wanted to have some sort of podcast open before we kind of got into the craziness that was the uh, the picks from the library. So uh, me, Greg and I and Skybox, actually, I got Skybox to participate in this one. Uh, didn't want to give away all of their NFL picks, uh, but did pick all of the college games we picked with this and offered up a couple of free plays that I actually forgot to give out. So I'm going to go ahead and give out the Skybox re free plays right now before I forget. I should have mentioned that on the pod last night, but honestly, it was loud. I was like secondhand drunk on the Jaeger bombs that Greg was downing, and uh, I really just kind of forgot. So before we get to the picks real quick, uh, if you want to hop on the Skybox train, here are the Skybox free plays, if I can get these things to pull up. Yeah, here we go. They're free plays. Memphis, Mississippi State, under 64 and a half. 
South Carolina, plus 32. There are two NFL picks, Vegas, Pittsburgh, over 47, Colts, plus four. Interesting last one there. I kind of not really buying into the Colts, but again, weird week one results, what have you. So those are their four free plays. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Absolutely off to a scorching hot start in NFL action so far. So here are the picks, and then I'm not going to have an outro. We're just going to end the show because only Greg could. Uh, Greg, I think, ended the show by swallowing another Jaeger bomb. So we'll just end it at that because this could be a terrible podcast. This could be a legendary podcast. I'll let the people decide. Here is Greg uh, on the Rippy Wright's Global Satellite Network from the library on the square. Rippy, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. It is week three, I guess, of our third year of doing fresh cuts. It's kind of week two and a half. Like we got one week NFL in, some college games, obviously, the last two weeks. We uh we were on an absolute scorcher last week. We'll get to that in a minute, but I got a full slate of games to get to this week. We'll pick all the SEC games, run through all the NFL games. It uh it'll be a good time as the NFL is in full swing. What's up, man? Oh man, just uh, you know, ready to bang out another good weekend of uh, you know, college action and NFL action and uh ready for everybody to come to the uh to the to boxer this weekend and uh have a good time and uh hopefully watch the Rebs uh get another win and go to three and up. Yeah, absolutely. I um I will actually be there the next time Ole Miss has a home game. I'm coming in for the Arkansas game. I actually booked my flight last night, so I'm looking forward to that. I know that's a while off, three weeks with the bye week in Alabama and all that, but looking forward to coming into town. But kind of on that note, it's been – I know you've been there for the first home game, obviously. It had to feel good to get back to normal. I would say my vantage point of normal of – as well, I've covered some luck. I gotten lucky. I've covered some really damn good high school football games in Texas so far. I had Marcus uh, Flower Mound Marcus last week, which is where that Nussmeyer kid, the five star kid that's at LSU, yeah. went. Yeah. And then I'm going to South Lake Carroll tomorrow. Who had he? That was the kid where I mean, that was the school where the kid let skip to senior year, signed the million dollar NIL deal, went to Ohio State. But it's just been good to, uh, I guess, kind of get back in the swing of things and see full crowds. And then the real vantage point I had was. Honestly, flipping on an NFL Sunday last week, throwing it on red zone, having a couple of screens up, my fantasy teams up, and just seeing full crowds again was really just awesome. The NFL always delivers. It's always awesome. It was good last year, but it really just really was not the same at all when, you know, empty stadiums. It just kind of felt weird, but seeing everybody in full stadiums again and having a real full-on NFL Sunday experience was just incredible. I cannot wait. For 17 more of these we get 17 more now thank you nfl for adding another game yeah i cannot agree more with you i mean it's uh it's it's good to try to get back to normal and uh you know uh normal is uh waking up or actually sleeping in until about 10 30 and then uh kind of getting getting your mindset around 10 45 and then get, doing your fantasy lineup and then uh, get ready for 12 o'clock and just a full slate of the red zone channel and uh, NFL action. Can't complain about that. No kidding. And so we'll dive right into it before we do what's going on at the store this week, two lane game. There should be, I mean, I, I say more people in town. I don't really have any basis off of that better game, second home game, hopefully more people in town. Everyone should stop by LB's university Avenue across from Kroger. That's a no brainer to most people that listen to the show, but I got to sneak that in there. What you got going on at the store? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the second home game in a row. And uh, 
you know, I don't blame the people for not being able to come at uh, both weekends, but like, you know, you got to pick and choose. And uh, I think it's going to be a good weekend. I know the weather is kind of sketchy, but uh, other than that, you know, uh, I wish we were all weather uh, people and we could all have jobs and get paid for saying that uh, the weather's good or bad versus uh, not good or bad. So, with that being said, I think it's going to be a good weekend. You know, uh, I think the revs are, you know, coming in hot. Uh, the offense looks good. The, the defense is flying around. So uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what the revs can do with the with a two lane team that, you know, kind of uh, lost uh, a tight game to Oklahoma. So uh, it should be a good test for the revs this weekend. And uh, you know, you can't complain about not wanting to come to Oxford and uh, hang out for the weekend. At the very least, go get the Rippy Ride Special. That's a 16-ounce prime strip for 15 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. You can't really beat that. That's a hell of a way to kickstart your weekend, whether you're going to the games or not. Even if you're sitting around Oxford throwing something on the grill um, and watching it from the comfort of your own home, that's that's really tough to beat. So go check him out. I'm looking forward to going back to LBs when I come up for Arkansas weekend. Greg and I will have a uh, or read a book or two at the library and uh, and get after it. So looking forward to that. Um, speaking of weather people, love weather people, but they are wrong a lot. It's just the nature of the business. I'm not saying that they're bad at their jobs because I would be worse at it. You know who wasn't wrong a lot last week? Us. We absolutely destroyed it in the real week one. And I say real week one, obviously, meaning we both had college and NFL games on. For the, I know we have a lot of new listenership just from kind of joining the Rebel Grove in this podcast going on a couple of different mediums over the years. Uh, make no mistake about it. We are the first ones to tell you how terrible we are at this, but a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. And son, did we find one, Greg? I, you think, went- I mean, I, I can't believe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked whenever, you know, cause we rehearse this uh, podcast every, uh, every day before we actually go on live. So uh, when you told me the records, I was like, yeah, we did do good. Yes, that's right. Four days of prep before we get to the real show. Let me just read you some stats here. So in college, you went six, two and one. You won your lock with Kentucky. We pushed South Carolina ECU. That was South Carolina. We got that at minus three. They kick a game winning field goal. I had ECU. You had South Carolina. It doesn't matter. It was a push. I went four, four and one and had my lock lose. I had NC State locked over Mississippi State. So I lost that. We're battling. Buddy, when the when the clock turned to Sunday, we turned it on. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and just savor this while we can because this week's sure to go terribly. I went eleven three and one in the NFL last week with five and zero oh in locks. You went ten four and one. By my count, you only had four locks, which whatever you went four and zero oh in them. I, I don't really know. Do we stop the thing now? Do I just turn this? Yeah, off? I mean, like you know, uh, I, it's hard not to say uh, we're done. Thanks for listening. Uh, y'all can figure it out for the rest of the year. But, you know, we keep plugging away. I mean, you know, 5-0 and oh on some locks and then uh, some good uh, good bets on. You know, we both were on that Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you know, I think everybody took the bills. We went with the Steelers. And the Steelers, I think, what, they win by a touchdown? Yes. And you talk about a game that actually didn't look good for the spread for about two and a half quarters. That was, not, Oh yeah, we were down 10, nothing at halftime. Yeah. Nothing, no, no problem. No, nothing going no, offensively no at all. <laughs> no problem. I mean, that's just how you're supposed to work it. You know, you got to make sure that you bet on the team that wins in the second half, not the first half. Yeah. And honestly, it should have been one better. So our one push in the NFL, we got the San Francisco 49ers and the Detroit lions. We both hit San oh, Francisco brutal. at minus eight. 
we're we're lucky because I believe when that went to kickoff, it was actually eight and a half. Nine and a half. Nine yeah, and or half, something yeah. like that, which would have just been an absolutely brutal way to lose. I know you saw that game. What it was thirty was it thirty four oh, to ten? It was thirty four ten. It was about like the Mississippi State game with uh, La Tech, you know, 31 to uh, 14, start of the fourth quarter. So uh, you, you can't never doubt the professional athlete. Yeah. So the uh, the Lions game got absolutely weird in that game. We had an onside kick action, some funny business going on on some penalties. It was uh, it was close. It was closest thing to a college football game, as you saw all weekend. So we pushed on that one. Our only other losses, we both lost on the Titans. You lost the Washington football team against the Chargers in a game that could have really gone either way. We both lost the New York football Giants. And, yeah, I guess Regardless of the situation, I think we did really good on week one. I think we've got at least fifteen to 10,000 more listeners this week. So we need to come up with some good ones this week for sure. Yeah, we're going to have to come up with something better. The other one I was searching for, you won that you were all over Philadelphia beating Atlanta. I actually, I, I missed a couple of I like of Jalen Hurts. I, I think him, I think the, the, the Eagles are a sleeper team this week, this year for the, uh, for the, for the NFC East. So he looked really good. They looked really competent in how they used him. And you forget how many playmakers they still have on defense, whether it's Fletcher Cox or just kind of go down the list. They're still good defensively. They just kind of sucked and got injured on the offensive line last – I say sucked at quarterback play, I should say. And they got injured on the offensive line the last couple of years. But other than that, they're actually a pretty good football team. And that roster's I don't think as bad as we let on. But um, the other thing I had before we get into the picks this week – was oh I actually called my shot in this game I lost a couple of picks on the sheet that I had so I went back and listened and I said quote last week I am ready to take my early year kick in the nuts from the Atlanta Falcons bring it on yeah I think we should probably consider the Atlanta Falcons as a no bet for the rest of the year where I say we get three weeks in before you know what actually there's no rules on here so we can actually make rules whenever we want because there are no rules yeah, well, that's fine. We can ban the Falcons, but with that said, I kind of loved them this week against the Bucks. But that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> uh, you know, it's just it's always something with us. You know, you, that's why you got to listen because we pull out all the stops. All right, let's just get right into the picks too. And we have a. Uh, I told you, I warned you in week one of this that we are going to start going up against the professionals, and it has happened. I forgot to mention this segment. In addition to being brought by LB, brought to you by LBs, is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. I sent the guys at Skybox kind of our routine for this podcast, and they picked all the college games we're going to pick with this, but held off on the NFL because obviously they have clients. Not all their stuff is free. So they're going to join us on the college games. They're going to pick two NFL games and give out a couple free plays. So we got a little competition this week, and honestly, I don't really love it. We just peaked. As as, yeah, as wagers, I mean, you we know, just peaked, and now we got to go up against the real the real guys. It's, it's, hey, you know we're professionals in disguise. You know that's just how we roll around these parts. It's like we just lucked into shooting like seventy four, and then I show up for my Sunday round, and there's a guy that's actually scratching there, and I'm guaranteed oh, yeah. eighty five. <laughs> three three front from ten feet out for sure. Yeah, exactly. So this that we're almost guaranteed to go poorly. So if you're out there getting, but hey, stuff, I, I think I got the luck of the square uh, on us. Uh, I'm walking around the square and making sure. Everybody's having a good time and make sure the covers are properly uh, distribu- distributed around this town. So yeah, we're 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 good on this. I think That's we right. got. I, for- I forgot to mention that that you're you're we're glowing global here. The Rippy Wright Satellite Network. Greg is roaming around the square. 
Uh, maybe throw on a yellow jacket. People, the underage kids will flee like uh, like mice because uh, they'll probably think you're an ABC officer. But uh, oh yeah, no. And also, I have uh, I got Brett Huber with us. Uh, he might throw in a special guest uh, pick for us uh, whenever I, I'm, I'm stumped on something. So uh, we've we've got a professional uh, uh, a star guest on this on the podcast also. There we go. It's three on one, three of us versus Skybox. Let's just get right into these. We're going to start with college football. We got a Friday night game tomorrow night. UCF travels to Louisville, who I read some stuff about Louisville's game last week. So they looked okay against like one of those directional Kentucky schools. Apparently the fans were not happy about like the logistics of how the stadium was laid out, whether that was like tickets or whatever. I don't know. Point being, they're not happy in Louisville right now. And that is UCF minus seven. Um, I actually met a bunch of Louisville fans at uh, Kentucky Downs last weekend, and uh, they're not too excited about their football program right now. So uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to take Louisville this weekend. Yeah, this game's at home. I don't know what to make of UCF. Gus is kind of due for a stinker on the road, so I'm going to go the opposite way here, and I'll go Louisville plus seven in the face of all logic. I just think I, when you get down into weaker competition, they've had a week to play together again. That by them, I mean the offensive line, a couple receivers gained some trust against a shit opponent last week. I don't think Louisville is good. I just wasn't overly impressed with UCF. And granted, I didn't see who they played last week, but they were they didn't overly impress me against Boise State. And this feels like a game where Gus throws up a dud. So I'm actually going to go Louisville plus seven here, but I don't feel great about it. So we're off That's to fine. a That's We're fine. off to a like that. We are we're, we're, split. We're split right down the middle on the first one. So that works out perfect. Well, I'm going to go ahead and hit the tiebreaker. The Skybox, let's see. I'm not cheating. I have it hidden behind it. And then they went Louisville plus seven. So Okay, well, I really like Central Florida now. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So we're just be- making mortal enemies about Sky- uh, Skybox sports pick here. I love it. It's the pros hey, versus. Hey, I'll send the them pick. a little meat care package, and uh, they'll, they'll get back on my good side. We'll get them taken care of. Yeah, no hard feelings. It's strictly business. It's the pros versus the Joes, and we're going to kick the shit out of the pros this week. Um, here's an interesting game. I'm really uh, interested to see this. It's Cincinnati minus four at Indiana. If you'll recall back to week one, both of us were all over Iowa in kind of a similar line, if I'm not mistaken, against Indiana. I thought Indiana would take a step back. They get Michael Penix Jr. back at quarterback, but I thought Iowa was really good. And I think Indiana is closer to a six and six, seven and five team this year. It's at Indiana. But Cincinnati only gets two opportunities to kind of flex against a power five school. They get Notre Dame and they get Indiana. And I think Cincinnati needs to win this game worse. And I think they need to run up the score. So I'm going to use my one college lock this week. I forgot to explain the rules. We'll lock one college game, five NFL games every week. I'm going to use my one college lock this week on Cincinnati minus four. I think they win and I think they try to run up the score for style points because they need it. I'm just going to go plain and simple. I'm going to go with you. I like it a lot. Uh, I think Cincinnati's a good program. Uh, is it uh, Finkel, Gary Finkel? No, uh, John, uh, for- Luke Fickle, who might soon be in Southern California. But, yeah, he's, he's done yeah. a hell of a job. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to get mixed up on Ray Finkel uh, on uh, uh, Ace Ventura Pet, Defe- Pet Detective. So, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Cincinnati. I think they, uh, they roll here. I think it's a good bet. Yeah, I think that actually might be my favorite play of the weekend just because, again, there's if you need a school that's hungry to not only win the game but kick the shit out of the other opponent to prove they belong, that's generally a pretty good place to be. And honest to God, if you look at the two rosters, I'd probably make the argument that Cincinnati's much more talented and this would be an eight- or nine-point home game if it were at home. I don't think Indiana has some sort of ridiculous 
uh, road environment or road environment for road team. So I, I actually love this one. Maybe it's too good to be true. Uh, Skybox is also with us on this. They're all over Cincinnati plus four. So Skybox oh, good, good. goes Cincinnati, or excuse me, Cincinnati minus four. I think I just said plus four on that one. Keeping it rolling, going into an SEC matchup, kind of the first CBS game we get this year. We'll get the classic complaints about Gary Danielson favoring Alabama. That's always huge. Love hearing people complain about announcers. But the we'll get the SEC, the SEC on CBS music, I think, for the last time. I believe they go over to ESPN next year. So savor that intro music as long as you can this year because it's short-lived. Alabama is minus 15 going to the swamp against Florida. We have to have learned our lesson, right? I think we – or at least I did. I think you may have gone Alabama. I just picked Miami because it was 19 points the first week. It's the classic dumb gambler move. I don't know why I did that. Have we learned our lesson? Uh, you know, I, I, I literally on the butcher versus spin instructor, I literally – announced that like I'm just going to be an educated person and take Alabama first half Alabama game and see how much money I collect at the end of the year so I'm going to roll with the tide I just think that uh, 14 points doesn't scare me and regardless of Dan Mullen where he's coaching uh, I'm going to go with the tide I think the tide just rolls so I struggle with this one and I know I'm doing the same thing where I'm talking myself into oh this game could be close and Alabama will kick the shit out of them but I don't care I'm I'm not one to get out in front of my own brain. I'm pretty stupid like that. I think Florida is matches up from an overall roster standpoint, actually decently well with Alabama, except at quarterback. And I just wonder if that Anthony Richardson kid is going to play in that game because Emory Jones just looks so bad the first couple weeks. And I didn't really see it when he had to come on in relief of Kyle Trask. I just don't get it, and I wonder how quick the trigger Mullen has on him if they get down 14 to nothing or something. It may not matter, but whatever. One last time, I will go Florida plus the 15, and God help me when Alabama wins this by 30. Next week, someone in the listenership just better email me every day. Do not pick against Alabama, you idiot. I just need that to be sent to my inbox every day, bsrippy at gmail.com. So thank you for your support, and I'm riding Florida here because I'm an idiot. Let's yeah, see. I mean, you know, it just is what it is. You know, it's it's uh, you, uh, heads or tails. That's kind of the situation we're in. Let's see what Skybox has going on in this game. They are actually going with – they're going with Florida plus 15. Wow. I mean, I think it should be a good game. I mean, you know, like I'm not taking away anything from Florida. It's just, you know, I'm sticking to my guns. And, uh, you know, it's just I'm going to bet Alabama every week and just see where I turn out at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I feel fine complimenting you and saying it's the smart play, but to see the guy who's paid to make, quote-unquote, what I think in my dumb brain is the smart play go with Florida, it just confuses me anymore. And I'm not saying Skybox is not smart. You should absolutely go check out Skybox. They had a 7-0 and week in the NFL last week. I should have plugged Woo. that at the top, which has Man. been a huge promo week for the promo code Rippy. Go continue to use that. These guys are smart. Their shit is actually based off of data and nerd stuff like that, which we don't really screw with around here. But it's just shocking to see that their uh, their model projects Florida. But check out Skybox Sports Picks if I haven't said that already. Seven and zero in the NFL last week. Plus they won Kyle Busch or someone that was plus five fifty won the NASCAR race outright. So they're really just printing money left and right. What are you doing if you're not using them? They're at Florida on Florida. I'm gonna Plus. have to. I'm gonna have to get in on a promotion for uh, Skybox or something like that. Work it out to where you come in and uh, promote uh, Skybox, and you said you follow them. Uh, We'll have to give you a Rippy Wright's uh, free special. 
I like that. I thought you meant just trading some meats for some picks, but we don't need. Yeah, okay, picks. we can do that too. You know, I mean, like we can we can work it out. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to slide into those DMs on uh, Skybox and see what I can work out with the guys. Here's five bacon wrap fillets. Now talk to me about your free NFL future. <laughs> and and let's get that uh, NASCAR winner while we're at it. You know, hell yeah. I, think I, I imagine that paid. They, their NASCAR guy crushes it, dude. They were up like a ridiculous – I can't remember. I'll have to go back and look at the email. They were up like a ridiculous amount of units on NASCAR midsummer. I had their sky, I had their NASCAR handicapper on to explain the sport to me like I was four years old in the summer, and it was actually pretty compelling stuff. Like he, he knew – obviously he knew his shit, but he explained it in a way that someone like me could understand, which is saying a lot. So go back and check that out if you're bored and want to uh, look up some NASCAR if you're listening out there. So they're on Florida Absolutely. plus 15. The next one we have Mississippi State playing against Memphis for the first time since 2011. Go into the Liberty Bowl. I don't remember what time this game is. I think it's 3 o'clock. doesn't really matter. I'm just thinking out loud. I wanted to watch it. Mississippi State is minus 3.5. I think that line's moved, but that's when I sent the picks to Skybox. So we're going to yeah. stick with that. Mississippi State minus 3.5 on the road. I think I know where you're going with this. I know where I'm going with this, and we'll see where Skybox goes. What's your lean? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call. I, I mean, you know, like uh, we, I thought that, you know, Mississippi State used all of their luck up in the first week against uh, Louisiana Tech, and, you know, obviously they're a pretty decent club. They just need to, you know, uh, make sure uh, the, the, the saddle is uh, on straight. With that being said, I like Memphis. They scored 55 points last week. I know they're going to face a little bit different defense with the SEC club. But with that being said, I mean, you know, no cowbells and uh, maybe Memphis brings their nine millimeters. I think it should be a good good game. Yeah, I'm going Memphis plus three and a half here. And I'm actually – well, I already used my lock on Cincinnati. But if I would, I could would use the lock here on Memphis Moneyline. Look, I know I got burned on state last week, and credit to them. They really came out and punched NC State in the mouth. I was very surprised, one, by that result, but two, kind of how much cleaner of a game Mississippi State played. But I think the more and more, and I didn't get to watch a ton of that game. I I can't say I was overly locked into it. had some other stuff going on uh, and some other games to watch as well. But oh, that was the same time as the Ole Miss game. That was why. But anyway, I was impressed by it. But – La Tech had to take a late field goal to beat Southeastern Louisiana last week. I'm not really sold on the state team. I think Memphis will offer a much better challenge than NC State did, as funny as that sounds to say. I'm going Memphis plus three and a half. I agree with you. That's why I'm on it. We're all three on it because Skybox has did not hesitate at all. They went Memphis plus three and a half on this one. Um, potentially the game of the week here. I'm actually very fascinated by this, and I don't really know why I find this compelling, but it's Auburn at Penn State. It's Penn State minus five and a half. I, you know, Neil made this point on the post game show last week, and he kind of, I kind of agreed with him. I guess I just didn't know how to articulate it in my head. We don't really know anything about Auburn yet, but Brian Harson's a good coach. They kicked the shit out of two terrible schools the first two weeks. Brian Harson's a pretty good coach, despite you know, kind of the negative attention he got for not being fully on the Vax train. I don't really want to get into that at all today. This is not really the place for it. But point being, he's a good football coach, and they at least know who they are. They at least know they need to run the football a lot, kind of compliment Bo Nix, not ask him to do too much, but if they can run the ball, he can kind of do some stuff in the play-action, run-action game, and is a capable runner with his feet. I guess I say all that to say they at least know who they are, 
But I also think Penn State could be pretty good this year. I'm not sold on Clifford at quarterback, but I think they could have a team that could actually challenge Ohio State because Ohio State looks a little bit vulnerable. I really am torn here. I have no idea which way to go. I guess I'll go Penn State minus five and a half, but I I really don't feel great about it. Well, I mean, I kind of got burned last week with uh, Texas thinking that they could join the SEC and be a part of an SEC, uh, you know, conference. But I'm just going to go with SEC is a little bit more elite and uh, they're just uh, better players all around in each position. So I'm just going to take the points with the SEC and hopefully Auburn pulls through for me. I want to do that, and for some reason I'm talking myself out of it, so I'll stick with it. Let's see what Skybox had on this. Oh, they're Penn State minus five and a half. So, so can I'll, we have our can we have our first ordering of the Jaeger bomb on on the podcast? Go I'm ahead. Yeah, one. are you are you doing this inside the library? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm on the outskirts, you know. So uh, you know, I'm just trying to keep it uh, at, at G rated around these parts. No, and that's we'll okay. Go ahead and have a Jaeger bomb. This has to be the first ever podcast done from outside oh, the library. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We're, we're famous around these parts. So, yeah. I Jaeger know. You might get charged at, at a $40 part. cover if people hear about this. Oh, uh, no. There's only $50 cover tonight. You know, so we're good. We're there good. we go. Uh, uh, obviously, yeah, the next no, I just I – like, I, I like Auburn here. I just, you know, I, I mean, I know that's, uh, Penn State had a big win over Wisconsin, but uh, I like I, – I, I just I, – I like Auburn here. I just think that uh, – some points with the SEC school is where you need to have it. I don't hate that pick at all. I think that game's going to be weirdly compelling. Maybe I'm wrong about it. Next one is the one right there in uh, your backyard, technically. Most of the listeners' backyard, too. Tulane at Ole Miss. I screwed up sending this to Skybox now that I said it. I had Ole Miss at plus 14. I assume they knew what I meant by that. It is Ole Miss minus 14. Tulane Green Wave. Tulane, pretty good football team, I think. I think it's really, it's definitely Willie Fritz's best team there. I like their quarterback, Michael Pratt, tough, tough, uh, tough son of a bitch, honestly. Uh, that's pretty good throwing the ball and a capable runner. I think if Ole Miss plays well, they should win this game by 17 to 22. If they don't play well, I think Tulane is definitely good enough to beat them because the way Tulane plays offense requires a lot of discipline. But it also requires a lot of discipline in the secondary, which I think is Ole Miss's strength. I'll go Ole Miss minus the 14 here. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, we'll find out how good that Ole Miss defense is, you know, like not taking away anything from Louisville and not taking anything away from Austin P. But, you know, we'll find out how that defense is this weekend because, you know, uh, Tulane has already played an Oklahoma team that has a Heisman candidate with Spencer Rattler. And, uh, you know, they only lost by five. But, I, I mean, I just think the Rebels are too good on both sides of the offense and you just can't, can't, can't not take the Rebs here. I like it a lot. Yeah, this was a huge debate on the message board after I posted the podcast with the Tulane beat writer about like, because he mentioned that Tulane basically played Oklahoma even, and that kind of drew some ire in terms of him being accused of a homer. And I probably fall somewhere squarely in the middle. I Tulane had three second quarter fumbles. I do think that game would have been close, close, like, you know, seven points, 10 points going in the fourth quarter with Tulane maybe have a chance to cut it to three or something that like that late. But at the same time, I do think Oklahoma left their left their foot off the gas when they got up 37 to 14 against a capable opponent. So I could kind of see both sides of it. I think Tulane's good. I think they're a good American club. I the schedule doesn't break for them well conference-wise, as we kind of outlined on the Wednesday show. But on paper, they're probably actually a top four club in the American this year. But again, I've kind of said my piece. I think if Ole Miss wins. Excuse me. I think if Ole Miss plays well, they'll win by 17 to 20 points. I think if they don't play well, you could be in for a very weird night. 
Skybox tends to agree, I think. Skybox is on Tulane plus 14. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it should be a good game. We just get a better idea of how good that – how good or bad that Ole Miss defense really, really is. So, with that being said, like, I mean, with that Ole Miss offense, they can score, you know, at will. I, I think, what was it, like a five-play drive in a minute and 45 seconds, and, you know, they're up seven to nothing. So, I, I'm just – I think Matt Corral is just on another level, and it's just hard to – to not want to take him on this in this situation. So I, I, I like Ole Miss to roll here. I think the defense is actually legit. I think you nailed it with the second part of tar- regarding the defense. I think it's particularly the run defense. I think this per- interior run defense for Ole Miss, whether it's improved or not, will actually be tested for the first time because I didn't love Louisville's offensive line. I thought they'd be better than they were, and I particularly did not love Louisville's game plan. I don't really know what they were going for offensively from a play-calling standpoint. I finally got to watch that game again the other night for a second time. I couldn't find time that week I was moving. I, I didn't understand it, and that I'll have probably have an open to this podcast at the top about some Tulane and Louisville stuff, but I, I didn't understand that. But I just – I'll go with Ole Miss until proven otherwise, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the, I, Louisville – Tulane's concern on the back end is their secondary, and I think Matt Corral is going to absolutely beat them alive. So even if Ole Miss gives up 30 points, aren't they probably going to score 50? Wouldn't you? Th- I mean, that wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, I just like I said, we'll find out how good that Ole Miss defense is this weekend. Uh, second to last, or excuse me, we got three more. Oklahoma State traveling to Boise State. I don't really know much about Oklahoma State's club this year. They are plus three and a half at Boise State. I will have to say I'm going Oklahoma State here simply because of the fact I was not impressed by Boise State in opening week when they played at UCF at all. I admit I really don't know a ton about Oklahoma State, have not watched them a bunch this year, but I just feel like that's too many points if they have any semblance of a Mike Gundy kind of-esque team. I'm going Oklahoma State plus three and a half here. Yeah, I mean, man, uh, I, you know, I just I couldn't get a really, really good tail off of Boise State because they were actually up on UCF and actually thought they were controlling the game, and you know, they just kind of fell apart. I'm gonna, I, 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 I'm gonna go with Boise State. Uh, we'll, we'll pull the string on this. Let's, let's, uh, let's have a clueless uh, bet here. Let's just take Boise State. The guys at Skybox are on Oklahoma State plus three and a half. So they're a, they're a little underdog. I, I mean, better conference, smarter pick, I would agree. Nebraska. I wish I could ask this uh, brunette right here uh, sitting at the end of the bar what she, what she thinks about the game, but we hadn't got that far yet. Okay, well, let, let her know on the, that you got NFL picks ahead. and we. Can yeah. See. Oh, yeah, we got, we got a couple more shots coming too, for sure. Nebraska at Oklahoma. Um, this is a game that Nebraska, I think, tried to get out of, if I remember correctly, like a year or two ago. The Scott Frost thing is not going well. I've said my Oklahoma, I mean, Nebraska piece on this podcast before. Like that in Tennessee, it's never happening again, barring some sort of dynamic never come like, once in a generation. It's just never happening again. I guess I'll go Oklahoma minus 22. That seems like a lot of points, but whatever. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's just, you know, Whenever you uh, come in this uh, come in this action, you just take uh, the favorite, and hopefully uh, that's not enough. They gave him two points. I like Oklahoma too. Maybe Spencer Rattler's a little bit better against bad defenses, and uh, we're gonna go with uh, Oklahoma here. Skybox faded us and went Nebraska plus twenty two. So the professionals are on the Cornhuskers. Whatever that to me is a stay away. I'll believe it when I see it. But sure. 
Uh, last one on college before we head to the NFL, Michigan State at Miami. It's Miami minus six. Miami struggled against a school. I can't remember who it was. It was not very good last week. Obviously did not inspire any confidence. Uh, Bama in week one. They played at they State. They usually play one. like – but oh, yes. I got you. Yeah, they won 25-23. I don't know yeah, much that. about Michigan State, but I'll take them plus six here. They're 2-0. and oh. They had a nice win against Northwestern in week one. I think they beat the hell out of like Youngstown State or something last week. I'll go Michigan State plus six here. I, I'm not sold on Miami. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you on Michigan State. I mean, you know, don't they have a new head coach? They, uh, Mel Tucker is two years into the job. Yeah, yeah, two years. Yeah, And I think he's actually a really good, solid uh, coach up and down. So, I, I like Michigan State to be a sleeper Big Ten team this year. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I don't hate that at all. So, the la- all right, that was the end of our college picks. Oh, excuse me. I got to get to Skybox on this. Skybox went Miami minus six. So, they faded us on that, too. We're in dangerous so, waters. So, not, not only are you getting uh, professional picks, you're getting a 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage for 20 bucks if you listen to this podcast. Wow. That is uh, That is correct. Wow. I, I mean, I would be listening to this podcast right now. Yeah, it's America's – it's really America's podcast, Gambling and Meats. I don't really understand what you could do. And to we got Jaeger bombs coming too, so, I mean, you can't complain about that. Now we're headed, as Mike Francesca says, to the league where they play for pay. We, big week two slate in the NFL, a lot of interesting matchups, really pumped. Uh, you know, week one produces some weird results, uh, a lot of overreactions. They haven't really figured out the lines yet. I think I saw that underdogs went 11-4, and 11-5, and 12-4 in the NFL last week. Wow. Um, yeah, Woo. and that's kind of going on a trend the last couple of years. Underdogs have hit it close to 60% in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. So with that in mind, we'll kick it off with the Saints-Panthers. The Saints are going to Carolina. It is Carolina plus three and a half. Carolina plus three and a half. Uh, you know, Carolina didn't play that bad last week. I know, you know, you, you're going to play good whenever you play the Jets, but I like Carolina this week. I mean, you know, why not? Yeah, I'm going to go the Saints just from what I saw last week. That defense looked legit. Granted, week one, weird results. Aaron Rodgers didn't really look like he'd want to be there. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm fully on. I'm not even a Saints fan. I outlined this last week. I'm a Titans fan. I find Saints fans sometimes annoying, but lovably annoying. But I am very high on this Jameis thing. I think if they can cut his interceptions in half, you have a first – basically the same thing as Drew Brees. Probably doesn't know the offense. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The Saints are playing the Carolina? I thought the Packers were. No, yeah, no. I'm did I say Saints? It's, it's Saints minus three and a half. Oh, yeah, Carolina. yeah. Please, please. I, I mean, you, we, we talked about Jameis getting uh, Lasix, and he can see – Exactly. So, like, why, why, why would we not take uh, Jameis? So, yeah, I'm, my bad. I thought you said Green Bay was playing Carolina. No, I'm, I'm on the Saints. Who Jameis knows? I may a, have. J- I don't Jameis know what I say half the time. But Yeah, no, yeah. you're good. I, I think I was in the middle of ordering Jagerbaum, and I got sidetracked. But, yes, give me the Saints. I like it. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you if you cut Jameis's interception total in half, you kind of have a diet version of what you had in Drew Brees the last couple of years, only that there's at least a possibility he pushes the football down the field. So I, I'm really high on the Saints. I think they could, particularly with the way Tampa's defense looked in week one, and again, it's early, I really think the Saints could push for that division. So anyway. I, I love how the uh, whenever uh, Drew was on the NBC broadcast and he was doing the, uh, the Saints highlights and 
you know, like they, they did the highlight of Jameis throwing one deep, and they're like, this is something that the New Orleans has been missing all week, all year long. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny, a little touche uh, moment for Drew Brees. There was also some sneaky truth to it as well, which made it even funnier, but I agree. The second game we have, there's no Skybox. So Skybox is going to hold off on picking the NFL games because they have clients and, you know, actually do this for a living type of thing. But they, we do have two free plays we'll get to in a minute. So it's just me and you on these NFL games. The second game we have, Houston Texans, ty- much maligned Houston Texans as an organization. I think we kind of forgot that Tyrod Taylor – is very much a serviceable starting quarterback in the yes. NFL. He's had some He's really solid quarterback, right? He's he got concussed solid. in Cleveland and that led to the Baker Mayfield. He had a, you know, the chargers team doctor literally stab him in the lung with a needle and he lost the job there. Didn't quite cut it in Buffalo, but Buffalo hasn't, wasn't that better off immediately after they did draft Josh Allen and are obviously better off now, but he's a serviceable starting quarterback when given a chance. They're plus 13 at home against the Browns. I think the Browns are a much better much better roster, but the Browns like to run the ball a lot, and I don't trust Baker Mayfield. Call me crazy. This is probably a dumb brain pick after a week one overreaction because they crushed the lowly Jaguars. But I'm going to go with the Houston Texans plus 13. That's a ton of points with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. I, I, I agree. I'm all with you on it. Uh, we, uh once we get these Jager bombs over here, it's going to reinsure my bet of the 13 and a half with the minute uh, with Houston. I like Houston a lot. I think, you know, you know, like you were saying, Tyrod's, a, a, you know, been in the league a hot minute, you know, he doesn't make mistakes. And, uh, you know, with, um, uh, golly, who's the running back? Uh, uh, they Mark have uh, David yeah. Johnson and Mark, and Mark Ingram. Ingram, you know, that's a solid, uh, you know, two point, uh, two-punch combo with uh, the running back, and they looked really good. I know anybody's going to look good with, against Jacksonville this year, but I'm going to take those points. I, I, I like it a lot, 13 and a half. I'll, I'll take it. Next one we have is the Bears are minus two and a half at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody kind of loves dumping on the Bears because of the way they're handling the Justin Fields, Andy Dalton situation. But, man, the Rams might have the best defense in the NFL. And in the second half of that game, the Bears weren't terrible. I think this is a game where a lot of people play off the first the first game where the Bengals beat But I think it's going to be a really bad Vikings team. So I'll actually go the other way here. I, I think that Bears defense will kind of get after Joe Burrow a little bit. I'm on the Joe Burrow train like the Bengals love what they're doing there. But I'm going to go Bears minus two. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, you know, Joe Burrow didn't show up really well in the first half and uh, uh, actually came on strong in the second half. So I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go the opposite here. I'm going to go with the Bengals here. I, I like the Bengals. I'm trying to, like, reserve myself because, this, in you know, in past years I would have been all over the Bengals here, and you'll probably end up being right. But I just feel like there's some sort of lean here. I feel like that line should be bigger, and it's not bigger because people um, have a lot of money on – the public money I feel like would be on Cincinnati. I could be completely wrong about that, but I just don't think the bears are that like incompetent. I think their defense is good. And I think Andy Dalton, when they get to the weaker points of their schedule, they'll actually be a competent team if he's still the starter, but whatever, I digress. Next one, we got a really interesting matchup here. And I think this is uh, really kind of a, what the hell type of line. The Las Vegas Raiders fresh off of a win on Monday night football over the Lamar Jackson led Ravens are plus six on the road at Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh comes off the big win last week where they kind of stole that game against Buffalo in Buffalo. It is Pittsburgh minus six at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Man, I think that's going to be a really good game. I'm going to go Pittsburgh here. I mean, you know, uh, I know Las Vegas had a good game. And, you know, I mean, who doesn't like Derek Carr? But I just think the uh, the Steelers are sneaky good this year, and, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. I think they are will be better than they're giving credit for. I don't think they can run the football, and I'm not sure that's a great recipe against a pretty average Las Vegas defense. So I'm actually going to go Las Vegas plus six and lock it. I would not be shocked if Las Vegas wins. I mean, I don't blame you, but I think it's going to be a really good game and uh, one to watch. Uh, keeping it moving off across the board here. Oh, here's a good one. This is actually going to be one that has a ton of division implications. The Miami Dolphins went into Foxborough last week, somehow pulled out a win against the New England Patriots, even though they didn't really play that well. Tua didn't look great. He looked okay. Patriots kind of threw up down there, uh, threw up on themselves a little bit, a couple turnovers. Miami is a plus three and a half point underdog at home against the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bills will end up being good. I think they probably still end up winning this division, but they can't really run the football. They didn't look great throwing it. Again, it's week one, but I'm not sure that defense is actually very good. I think they kind of peaked about midway through last year, and they're actually a back-end to middle-tier defense in the NFL. I, I'm not taking them three-and-a-half at home. I'm going to go Miami plus three-and-a-half and lock it again. Um, I mean, you know, it's hard for me not to uh, go with you, but – I just think that uh, maybe they just, you know, didn't play good first week. And the Bills are actually a good club. I mean, they won 10 some odd games last weekend. So, I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to go with the Bills on this one. Yeah, there's always one shocking 0-2 team, and I think the Bills have that potential. I think they'll be fine, per se, but I just – I don't necessarily trust that in week two. I think the Dolphins have a good coaching staff, and I think they'll kind of prey on that one-dimensionality of the Buffalo Bills. So, anyway, I'm going to go Miami plus three and a half and lock it. So, I've used two locks. You still got all five in the holster. Indianapolis plus four at home against the Rams. I don't know how much you watched of Indianapolis last week. Carson Wentz did not look very good. They didn't run the ball that great, and the defense didn't look great, which has kind of been their calling card under Frank Wright the last couple of years. Um, call me crazy. Maybe this is too good to be true, but I'm hammering the Rams here. I don't know why the Rams don't win this by 10. Well, I'm going to go with my first lock. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts there, you know, just going to go against the grain. And, uh, you know, that's just what the people want to know. You know, just some people that uh, want to take the very basic bet that's going to be a good lock. But, I mean, let's go against the grain. And I'm going to go with my first lock is the Indianapolis Colts here, getting points at home. Love it. I got the lockdown. Keeping it moving. We are going to the toward the end of the late games here. We got a couple more to get to. San Francisco goes back on the road. More East Coast this time. They were in Detroit last week. They are minus three on the road against your Philadelphia Eagles, who looked quite plucky in week one. Which What lean do you have here? I, I, uh, I, man, San Francisco looked good, but they kind of melted down there in the end. Uh uh, I don't know. I'm going to let you pick this one first. I'm going to go San Francisco minus three. I think the Eagles played a, a Falcons team that was completely out of sorts under a new coach, new offense. I think San Francisco's good. I think we forgot that when they are completely healthy, quarterback issues aside, they're probably a borderline Super Bowl contender. So I think they run all over the Eagles. Um, and kind of, I just think it sets up well for them. They can run the ball decently well. And I know that Eagles defensive line is pretty good. They can run it decently well. I think that's just the perfect Jimmy G game. I'm going to go San Francisco minus three. I'm not even anti Jalen Hurts. He's actually kind of, uh, I would say, gained some uh, gained some points in my completely worthless book in terms of him me, me thinking he's capable or not. 
I just think San Francisco has a much better roster. Your pass rush will get to him more. I'm not sure about the Eagles offensive line. I'm going San Francisco minus three. I'm going to go Philadelphia here. Uh, actually, I'm going to go with my second lock. I'm going to go with Philadelphia here. I mean, I know San Francisco traveling over to the East Coast time zone. You know, that's one of my angles that I like. But, you know, uh, we'll just find out how terrible uh, the Atlanta Falcons really are. And I hope that uh, they aren't that as bad. But uh, we'll go with the Eagles. I like Jalen Hurts. He's a winner. Coming down the line, speaking of the Atlanta Falcons, they are plus oh, – excuse me, no, we have two more early games. I jumped the gun there. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, is he going to have chest pains? Is he not going to have chest pains? Are those chest pains induced by the fact that there's a job opening in Southern California now? That might be the most interesting thing about the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point. They are plus six on the road, excuse me, at home against the Denver Broncos. I think this line started at three. So there has been a bunch of money wagered on the Denver Broncos, if that tells you anything. Jacksonville plus six at home against Denver. Denver had a pretty nifty road win against the Giants last week. Just kind of looked solid all around, minus a couple of turnovers. Uh, lost Jerry Judy, but I'll do Jacksonville plus six. I'm going to go with you. I like I like Jacksonville at home. <laughs> Sorry, we uh, just had a couple of Jaeger bombs. Uh, they made me sneeze. But uh, – with that being said, I, I like Jacksonville. I think that uh, you know uh, it, it takes a day, it takes one or two games to get used to it. And I think that there's nothing wrong with Urban Meyer. He's not a bad coach. I just think that he just needs a couple adjustments too. And I think that uh, I, I like Jacksonville a lot this week. Keeping it rolling down the line here, we have one more early game. It is the New England Patriots. They're minus five and a half at the New York Jets. Zach Wilson had some garbage time potential last week. You kind of showed off the arm, did some stuff kind of, uh, I would say, out of rhythm when the play broke down, made some plays. But when they were actually within tune of their offense, he did not look very good. They lost their left tackle, Makai Beckman, at least for four to five weeks. New England was actually pretty good last week. They just had a couple untimely turnovers and had a couple drop passes. That's a lot of points, though. This, to me, is a stay away central, but I can't really pick the Jets. I'll go New England minus five and a half because Belichick hates the Jets. If that's a four-point game going in the fourth quarter, he's going to try to make it 20 points. I'll go New England. Yeah, yeah I'm going to agree with you. I like New England here. I just think that, you know, a uh, little bit better uh, football club and everything like that, with that being said, just going to take the, the, the smart, sensible uh, pick and just take New England here. Now we're into the late slate of the afternoon. We have the Minnesota Vikings, who looked absolutely putrid last week at uh, Cincinnati, who not only do they look putrid, they didn't really necessarily look like they wanted to be there. They are plus four on the road against the Arizona Cardinals, who absolutely beat the hell out of my Titans. I think we discounted Arizona a little bit last year just based on the fact that Kyler Murray, once he injured that shoulder, he stopped running, and they were like two and seven once he had that shoulder injury. We were actually like a six and two, six and three club or something like that before he injured it. They added some weapons offensively. I think they're actually good. Uh, maybe this is a week one over correction, correction, but it's Arizona minus four, and I will hammer the Cardinals here. I just think the Vikings suck. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I watched that uh, Titans-Cardinals um, game in, in Nashville uh, just coming back from Kentucky Downs, and, uh, you know, the Cardinals look great. You know, uh, Kyler Murray made some plays outside the pocket, and, uh, you know, they really shut down the running game of uh, – 
of King Henry and everything like that on that Titans offense and, you know, kind of really dictated the the situation of the game. I like Arizona a lot this week, and I'm going to go ahead and lock it up. I'm actually going to go with you on that as well because I've only used two, and I don't have any more on this slate that I love, I don't think. But, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and lock that with you as well. Um, now to the drug that I cannot quit, also known as the Atlanta Falcons. They are plus 12 at Tampa. So it's Tampa minus 12 at home. I kind of did my Falcons feel earlier. I actually don't think they're that bad. Maybe part of me saying that because I have Kyle Pitts on my fantasy team. I don't think they're that. I, I do too. I do too. So there's no shame in that. I don't think they're as terrible as they showed last week. Brady kind of has the slow starting teams in, in uh, September. That defense didn't might look up the snuff. I don't think the Falcons are going to try to run the ball a ton anyway, which is kind of the death sentence against this Buccaneers team. Whatever. I can't quit this team. I'll do it one more week before we make a rule against the Falcons. Plus so it's going to be Falcons and Jets are our new role for this year? Probably After that will break within two weeks. That's understandable. I'll, I'll roll with you on the Falcons too. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the Buccaneers are solid, but, but yeah, let's, let's roll with the Falcons wins. I mean, that game's 31-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter, and the Falcons put in some score that doesn't matter. Boom, your bet cashes. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's why you hold on to that ticket when you uh, when you uh, make it at 10 a.m. Two more late games than a Sunday and a Monday game. The next one is just going to depress me. The Seattle Seahawks are hosting my Tennessee Titans. The Titans looked Unathletic defensively, out of sorts, and they looked kind of old offensively. Derrick Henry had some absurd stat in terms of yards per carry that was in, compared to the last two years. Not great. I'm not sure if he's over the hill or the offensive line sucked. Chandler Jones absolutely just pulled his whatever's between his legs out and stuck it on the face of Juan. It was terrible. It was a disgrace. And with that said, Titans plus six. It's Seattle minus six, but I'm going with the Titans to bounce back. I'm going to go uh, with the Seattle here. I mean, like, I literally watched that game, and uh, I'm in a league that uh, you can draft defensive players, and nobody had Chandler Smith. He ended up having 34 fantasy points that week. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know what that deal is, but I, I just think Seattle's a good good team, and, uh, you know, DK didn't have a really good week first week, but I just think DK uh, Seattle's just too good. Last of the late games we have might be the, actually the most compelling game of the week, in my opinion, for a number of different reasons. Los Angeles Chargers had a really nice win on the road against a decent defense last week against the Washington football team. But Dallas goes on, nearly beats Tampa on the road. Now they have to go back to L.A. Dallas could actually be a pretty good football team and be 0-2. It's the L.A. Chargers minus three at home against Dallas, but you got to keep in mind that stadium will probably be 85% Cowboys fans. What's your lean here? I'm going to go with Dallas. Uh, my buddy uh, Brett Huber, it's, uh, our guest speaker today, said Dallas because he uh, did a commercial with Dak and the Blue Delta Gene, uh, so we could give them a shout-out also. Hopefully we can get a little sponsorship with the Blue uh, Blue Delta Gene company, but uh, I, I'm actually going to go Dallas here. I like Dallas a lot. I think it's a, uh, it's, it, it's a good play here. I have absolutely no feel for this game, but honestly, when it calls says and done, I honestly think I trust Justin Herbert and the rest of that offense more than I do with Dak Prescott. And I'd say that I thought Dak Prescott played incredibly well last week. Um, I think he actually has the ability to carry a, a somewhat injured team should it come to that later in the week and later in the season. 
But I, I just kind of trust L.A. a little more here, and I'm not even sure why. So I'm going to go L.A. Chargers minus three. That's a stay away for me. I don't have a feel for that game, but I'm going to enjoy the hell out of watching it. Sunday night football is a doozy. We have the Baltimore Ravens plus three and a half against the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Baltimore's had all kinds of injuries on offensive line. There's usually one team that just has year from hell potential from an injury standpoint. And Baltimore has like 12, 13 guys on IR, and we've only played one game. With that said, though, it's the first time that Lamar Jackson has been an underdog at home since he's been the starting quarterback. I think this is an against all logic pick. I think I'm going to go Baltimore plus three and a half at home. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's going to be a really good game because, I mean, you know, as, as many times that Baltimore had a chance to win the game Monday night against the the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, I just uh, – they didn't get it done. I just like Kansas City. I just think I'm. Uh, it's almost like an Alabama situation with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs, you know. Just bet on them until they don't cover for you and then, you know, look for other options. So, I'm going to roll with Kansas City this weekend. I'm going to use my fourth lock on Baltimore. I didn't even like the way they looked last week. I don't even think the Raiders are that good. The Lamar fumbles were concerning, but I just feel like they're going to rebound here, and I feel like the Chiefs are not going to be 100% locked in. I don't have a ton of logic to support that. It's just an early September game. They kind of got a, they kind of uh, pulled one out of the fire against the Browns, and there were some real questions about that KC defense, and Lamar Jackson's not really the one you want to face when you have questions about discipline and personnel defensively so anyway i'll use my fourth lock on baltimore we last game monday night football game uh kind of get a snoozer here the green bay packers are minus 11 against the detroit lions it's in lambeau field boy if there's a team that really didn't look like they wanted to show up to play football it was the two nfc teams the vikings and the packers aaron Rodgers showing up with a man bun not really sure if he wants to play for tottenham or the Green Bay Packers kind of had his whole offseason thing and then just showed up and didn't score a touchdown. Not really sure what to make of that. Um, I mean, what, what position? What position would uh, would uh, would Aaron Rodgers play on, on the uh, the football pitch? Would he be a striker or a midfield kind of guy? Whatever position call. complains the most about getting fouled in soccer, he would be carried uh, off on a striker. I would think line. striker. Yeah, striker. He, he'd be a good striker. Yeah, I think that'd probably be a good one. I'm going to go too many points here. I don't even think Detroit's very good, but you can't make me bet on the Green Bay Packers minus 11 after what I saw last week. Their next touchdown will be their first one. I'm going to go Detroit. Uh, I'm going to have to go with you. Uh, Is it at Detroit? It's in Green Bay. Uh, Okay, man. If Detroit was a home dog, I would be all on that. But instead, uh, I'm going to go get you on this one, and uh, I'll take Green Bay, and hopefully Aaron Rodgers and his man bun are – uh, sweatband or whatever he's rocking these days. Uh, uh, hopefully comes through and uh, realizes that he's on my fantasy football team and he needs to throw it to Devontae Adams so we can win. Those are our picks. We've made it through two weeks of the NFL season. Damn, this goes by quick, but we still have 16 more of them. Uh, I appreciate it. Go check them out. LB's University Avenue across from Proger. We'll post our picks, our season-long records, in the newsletter. Sign up at rippywrites.substack.com. Appreciate it, dude. Enjoy the library. Yeah, as always, it's uh, actually it's obviously open. And, uh, you know, take advantage of that Rippy Wright special, you know, $20 for a 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage. And, uh, you know, the weather might be uh, bad this weekend and it might be raining, so – why not take advantage of your uh, back porch situation and cook you a steak and uh, kick up and, and relax and watch some football? There you have it. Take it easy, brother. Take a Jaeger bomb for me.
Yes, sir. I'm on it. 